Welcome to another episode of the Four Sides Podcast. If you don't know who I am by now, or you're listening for the first time, my name is Caleb Carter, and I am what they consider a super wrestling fan. I go to a lot of wrestling shows, I've met a lot of wrestlers, and I network with a lot of wrestling fans. If you're listening based off of last week's episode, I want to thank you so much for rejoining us. It means the world to me. And something else that means the world to me is the amount of positive feedback that I've received based on last week's episode. As I was saying, this podcast is something that I've wanted to do for a very long time, and to receive as much positive feedback as I did, it's it's re- really awesome. I'm actually still looking for what is it that's going to bring me back down to earth, because this past weekend... This past weekend was just so, so amazing. And also, I got some feedback and some pointers on some things to do better from from some more experienced podcasters, some people that have been doing this for a while. And I want to thank those people for the feedback, the constructive criticism. And I do, I do plan on working on some of those things in the future. As you may have noticed, a minute and a half into this, I don't have an intro... Like, I don't have a solid intro yet, I don't have music, but that's all something that I'm going to be working on here in the next few weeks, so. Anyways, let's jump into the topic for today's podcast, which might not be a very long episode because I've only got one thing on the agenda, which is the CCW One Night Riot review. To start the show, uh, Joshua Milton, which... You may know him better as Farmer Billy Hills, a recently retired wrestler. The only reason I'm calling him by his shoot name is because uh, they pretty much did that on the microphone this past weekend. Uh, Anyways, he came out and he introduced the new CCW commentary team for 2020, which is returning the five-star man Asa Gray of Podzilla 1985 and then the former CCW women's champion, Hashtag summertime Sarah Summers, and I think she's going to bring a lot of good things to the commentary team with her in-ring experience in the past and everything. So if you're listening to this and you are asking, you're, you're an indie promotion, why do you have a commentary team? Well, actually, there's a show that CCW has done in the past called CCW Chaos, And it's going to be making its return here in the next few weeks. So make sure you stay tuned to Cape Championship Wrestling's YouTube and Facebook page for that. Back to the introduction segment. Uh, Josh introduced CCW's general manager, Jeff Aldell, who was going to announce the special guest for tonight, which was WWE's Hall of Famer, the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. But before he was able to do that, uh, sexy Sarge O'Reilly, another legend, returning to CCW. He interrupted, he came out, and pretty much did it himself. So Sarge introduced Jimmy Hart. And Jimmy Hart came out, and he he hyped up the card for tonight. And then he announced that he would be managing the King's Court in what was our opening match for the CCW Tag Team titles. It was the defending champions, the LA Hustlers. Against the King's Court, with Jimmy Hart, against the newly formed slash reunited Justin the Juice Smart and Dangerous Donnie Six, calling themselves Dangerous 
and delicious. So Mr. 100, of course, he was in the corner of the LA Hustlers because they're part of House 100 and everything. Uh, Justin Smart and Donnie Six came out with matching gear and some new Dangerous and Delicious shirts. If you'd like one of them, make sure you hit up Justin Smart on Facebook. Great opening match. The pace was fast in the match, but, you know, it wasn't too fast to where it was just a spot fest and you couldn't tell what's going on. It was... It was perfectly paced. Uh, everyone got their time in the match. The crowd got into the match clearly. Got them going. Pretty much it was everything that an opening match for a wrestling show should be. Uh, Mr. 100, he ended up getting involved by pulling Donnie Six down from the apron. So Donnie Six ended up chasing Mr. 100 to the back. And Justin Smart was taking care of Bradley of the LA Hustlers at ringside. And this distraction actually allowed the King's Court of Gage Robertson and Addison Kane to pick up the win and become the new CCW Tag Team Champions. So big congratulations to the King's Court. I've only seen them for a few months in CCW, but in that short time, they've really, really been impressing me. The next match on the list was Logan Stunt versus Baracus. Now, this was originally, of course, supposed to be Logan Stump versus Norman Meklakov, but Meklakov, as we talked about last week, is dealing with a collarbone injury. Uh, Logan faced Baracus instead, and surprisingly, Baracus was accompanied to the ring by the bad, bad panda, J.J. Walker, so they've kind of got a new thing going, I guess. To start the match, Logan, Baracus, and JJ shook hands, kind of nodded towards each other, showing some sportsmanship before the match because Logan and JJ were kind of friends, training in CCW and stuff. If you know who Baracus and Logan Stunt is, you would know that Baracus is obviously the bigger man, so he dominated the majority of the match. Logan was able to get some stuff in every now and then. The finish ended up being Baracus missing a move and Logan capitalizing on it by getting Baracus in a prawn hold pin and getting the three count. After the match, the three guys, Logan, Baracus, and JJ, showed some more sportsmanship, but that ended quickly as JJ Walker ended up hitting Logan's stunt with the pandemonium, which is a code breaker that he uses as a finisher. Uh, after that, Baracus ended up hitting Logan Stunt with his finisher, which is that big sit-out choke bomb. So Logan wins the match, but Baracus and J.J. Walker stand tall and walk away with the sound of boos from the audience. Uh, overall, good match. Good second match. It is its purpose. The third match of the night, before intermission actually, was Brandon Barbwire defending the Pure Openweight Championship against former WWE superstar Carlito. Carlito started the match out by, of course, as he always does, he takes a bite of his apple. Uh, Brandon ends up taking the apple away, and he throws it in the crowd. As, and this is just one of the hardest throws I've ever seen. Like he, It's like he was pitching a baseball. Anyways, after that, Carlito spits the bite of the apple that he just took into Brandon's face, and the crowd pops for it. So Carlito gets one of his signature things, and that's awesome. There's a moment after that where the crowd got quiet, and being me, I shout at the top of my lungs, I shout, What about them apples? And I get a pretty good pop for that as well. 
As I was saying in the last episode, there's an album on my Facebook page called Things I Say at Wrestling Events. Uh, The entire segment is in that album. You can go check it out. It's from the moment where Brandon takes the apple to the moment where I shout, what about them apples? After that, the action gets started as an angry Brandon barbed wire goes right after Carlito. And this match was very, very good. And this ended up being my pick for match of the night. It was around 15 minutes of just some great technical wrestling. And let let me just say this. We don't hear a whole lot about Carlito and what he does anymore, but... That guy is in the best shape of his life, and he can absolutely still go. He has not lost a single step. If anything, he gained a step. My only nitpick with the match, and this is just a personal nitpick, uh, we didn't get to see the backstabber get hit. We saw an attempt, but we did not see it get hit. But at the same time, that's one of those protected finishers, and I respect that idea of the finishing move being the end of the match, so it's really understandable why we didn't see the backstabber. Uh, Brandon Barbwire, he ends up using heel tactics being the heel. Uh, He took off, no, no, actually, actually, he ripped that turnbuckle pad off, and that thing was so hard to get back on after the match. Uh, While the ref was trying to fix it, Brandon Barbwire, he hit Carlito with the pure openweight title belt, and he got the pin. However, the senior official, Lane Austin, he came out and he informed the ref of that match. I don't quite remember if it was Billy or Jerry, but anyways. He informed the ref about what happened, so the decision got reversed. Carlito ended up winning by disqualification, and Brandon Barbwire kept his belt, which I thought was a good way to finish the match because you're protecting Carlito, who's the special guest, while you're not taking the title away from Brandon and you're making him look like a strong heel champion. So besides besides that backstabber not being there, I, I don't think there's anything I would change about that match. That was a match of the night, great match. After a 20-minute intermission, we came back to Jackson Crowley versus House 100's Hollis Giroux. And I actually didn't remember this match being announced. Being the guy that makes the CCW graphics for the matches... So I was a little surprised to see this impromptu match, especially with how big the right match is going to be. Speaking of the right match, Jackson Hollis being in that match, pulling double duty. You already have that story of the match where it's Jackson Crowley versus House 100 with, of course, Hollis Giroux representing House 100. Uh, For an impromptu match, I I thought this was good. It was a good way to bring the people back after a 20-minute intermission. Both wrestlers ended up hitting a pretty good arsenal of moves. Hollis hit a Canadian Destroyer at one point in the match. And then Jackson, of course, he's got all of his fancy moves that he does. Uh, He hits his Avalanche Spanish Fly for the finish, which that means Jackson Crowley goes over Hollis Giroux. There, I just gave you the finish. Uh, there There were a couple mishaps during the match, I'll be honest. With some of the moves... But, you know, it's just one of those things that happens. People make mistakes in anything that they do. But it was still, like I said, a good match to bring the crowd back into the action to get them invested after the intermission. 
So the match after that was for the CCW Men's Championship. It was trending Trent Daniels versus Lil Bit. And to my surprise, Lil Bit actually controlled the majority of the match. Normally you don't really see that with a babyface. And it looked like Lil Bit had a good shot of walking out with the title. Uh, however, Showtime, who is a manager down from the West Tennessee area... Uh, he came out and he distracted the referee. He was on the apron distracting the referee and he was able to reach his arms around the ref and hit Lil Bit with some sort of taser. And after that, Trent Daniels was able to get the three count on an obviously unconscious Lil Bit. Uh, after the match, Trent Daniels introduces Showtime to the CCW fans and the fans' boos at that moment were possibly... Some of the loudest boos that I've ever heard in the history of CCW and maybe even my history of going to wrestling events. Uh, the match ended up benefiting the long-term story of Trent Daniels trying to rid CCW of female wrestlers. And rather you disagree or agree with this, I mean, you gotta admit that Trent Daniels right now is one of the most controversial wrestlers in CCW and... Like Eric Bischoff says, controversy creates cash. Controversy makes a good product to watch. The semi-main event of the show was Otis Crowley defending the CCW Heavyweight Championship against Cash Borden. This match was one of those hard hitters, as I had predicted. Two violent guys in a regular wrestling match ended up being, ended up being pretty good. Uh, the spot of the match was a Russian leg sweep from the apron onto the ramp at ringside. Mr. 100 actually ended up being ejected from the match after pulling on the referee's leg while Cash was pinning Otis. And in my opinion, had it not been for this moment, I believe Cash Borden would have been your new CCW champion as before that he hit what was one of the hardest Shining Wizards I have ever seen. As the match was reaching its conclusion, the LA Hustlers and Hollis Giroux of House 100 ended up coming out to try to aid Otis Crowley, but they ended up getting taken out by Cash Borden, which is a very big deal in my mind because that's that's taken out pretty much the majority of House 100 by yourself, and I don't I don't remember anybody that's ever done that. Maybe besides Billy Hills. But eventually the numbers game did catch up to Cash Borden as Hollis Giroux broke up a pinfall cover and of course the referee had the call for the disqualification. So Cash Borden wins by disqualification but Otis Crowley keeps the title. After the match Jeff Odell came out and he basically congratulated House 100 on outsmarting him yet again. But... He also gave Otis Crowley his quote-unquote reward for the next event, Chaos in Charleston 2, where Otis Crowley will be putting the CCW Championship on the line yet again against current Impact Wrestling star and ECW original Rhino. That's right, Rhino's coming to Charleston, Missouri on February 29th. That is a Saturday. That is Leap Day, as a matter of fact. Tickets for that event are going to go on sale this Friday, January 31st at 6 o'clock p.m. You can get your tickets at capewrestling.com. You're not going to want to miss it. If you thought One Night Riot 3 was a stacked card, 
you just wait. The card has been announced already, but we'll go into more matches in future episodes of Four Sides. What I want to talk about to close the recap of CCW's One Night Riot 3 is the Riot match itself, the 30-person Riot match. Um, I'm not going to go through every participant. I'm just going to share sort of some highlights. So we had Brandon Barbwire coming in at number one. Of course, he won the first ever One Night Riot match. And then you had Lil Bit coming in at number two, who was the only female competitor in the match that night. Uh, Trent Daniels eventually came in, but he was eliminated very quickly by Lil Bit. Which, if you know anything about One Night Riot matches or just Royal Rumble matches in general, you know that they're just massive, mega storytelling matches. So it was good to see Lil Bit, after what happened earlier in the night, get some revenge on Trent Daniels. Uh, the tag teams in the match, the LA Hustlers, the Kings Court, and Dangerous and Delicious, as I predicted, they ended up continuing their fight from earlier uh, however, there was another team that sort of injected themselves into the picture, and that was Baracus and J.J. Walker. So it'd be interesting to see if they possibly get into the tag team title scene here soon. Uh, most of the tag team fighting, however, it was mainly focused on the King's Court taking on Dangerous and Delicious, which will be happening next month for the titles. Uh, Austin Lane, eventually he came into the match and he went after Brandon Barbwire because, you know, Austin wanted some revenge and he got it. Uh, Brandon and Austin ended up eliminating everybody who was present in the match at that time. And then they continued to fight each other until Austin eliminated Brandon Barbwire while eliminating himself. And that didn't even end the fighting. The fighting continued... Until they got to the stage where Austin hit Brandon with the package pile driver, or if you're a familiar CCW fan, it's called the best pile driver ever. If he's still calling it that, we will see. Uh, after that, Shannon Young was the next entrant, and then Jackson Crowley entered shortly after. Uh, Shannon and Jackson ended up having a conversation on the microphone. Most of the talking was done by Shannon. Uh, Shannon gave Jackson one more opportunity to join House 100, but he kind of did it in, in an insulting way. So that's probably why Jackson punched him in the face afterwards. <laughs> Jackson ends up taking the fight to Shannon, and out comes Dalton Anthony next. And everybody was expecting Shannon to get beaten by both Jackson and Dalton. However, there was a swerve. Dalton attacks Jackson Crowley, hits him with the low blow, and he reunites with his old friend, Mr. 100, Shannon Young. And right after that, Dalton's tag team partner, Chris Slammer, comes out, and it seems like he's asking Dalton why he's doing this. But it didn't last long as Slammer turned around and he hit, uh, he hit the leg drop on Jackson Crowley, aligning himself with House 100. And at this moment, I think I killed a... Well, not literally killed, but like... I made him laugh so much that it probably took years off their life. But anyways... Anyways... As Slammer hit the leg drop on Jackson, I act in shock as a fan would. I say, oh my god... Why did he just do slight wait slammer slammer's the third man he's the third man slammer's the third man and i just looked to my left and this guy in the crowd who 
I've talked to him at shows. He's a hardcore NWO fan. He's got it tattooed on his arm. Uh, he's just got the funniest face, and he's laughing as hard as I've ever seen anybody laugh before. Uh, I wish I had my camera rolling at that moment, because I totally would add that to my things I say at wrestling events. But that, that was a fun moment to watch. Uh, what wasn't so fun to watch, however, though, was Jackson Crowley getting eliminated by all three men. Uh, the next entrant, however, was something that I had anticipated for a little while. I kind of figured it was going to happen, but I didn't expect it to happen so soon in the match. It was the return of Osby freaking Tomlin, dude! Yeah! Got a good pop for that. Awesome moment. I've missed Osby for so long. There's that story of Osby Tomlin being Shannon Young's friend, but Osby Tomlin had different ideas in the match. He eliminated Dalton Anthony, he eliminated Slammer, and then he took the fight to Mr. 100. Hollis Rowe was eventually able to come out and aid Mr. 100. However, there was a moment where Mr. 100, I'm, been, I'm saying Mr. 100 a lot, I know. Mr. 100 was holding Osby Tomlin, and Hollis attempted the clothesline, but Osby moved, and Hollis ended up eliminating Shan Young, Mr. 100. So it'll be interesting to see if that causes some tension in between the two, because there was some tension in the past. So after that, the ring really starts to fill up. Uh, there were some other noteworthy things in the match. Uh, Logan Stunt. He came out and he got some revenge on J.J. Walker from earlier that night. But he ended up being lifted up and pretty much pounced to the outside over the top rope by Baracus. There was a moment where Venom attempted to eliminate newcomer The Infinite. But Zay Washington ended up eliminating him. And Venom kind of took it personally. He felt like Zay Washington stole his moment. They're actually going to be teaming up next month, so it's going to be interesting to see if they can put their differences aside or if things are going to collapse. Anyways, that led to an argument outside. Uh, Cash Borden ended up eliminating Hollis Jarreau at the end onto Zay Washington and Venom, who were arguing. And that allows Cash Borden, who entered at number 30, to win the One Night Riot match and punch his ticket to Super Show 4. He will be in the main event. He will be facing whoever is the CCW Heavyweight Champion. So we could be getting Otis Crowley versus Cash Borden 3. Hell, we could get Rhino versus Cash Borden if Rhino's able to win the title next month. Or if Otis happens to retain the title and loses it in March, it could be whoever wins that match versus Cash. There's still so much time in between now and... Super Show 4, which is going to be happening on April 25th. More details to come about that soon. It's CCW. Anything's possible. Uh, another personal highlight from the show that I didn't mention at the beginning, but I wanted to mention. A lot of you know that I do some designing work for CCW. And I actually made a logo for the One Night Riot show. Uh, before the show started, there was a there's a screen at the top near the entrance area where the video is shown there throughout the show 
and my my logo that I made was up there for everybody to see. It was it was an absolutely surreal moment for me. I actually wanted to cry tears of happiness, but I just didn't have the tears to cry. But my dad was at the event with me, and when when I was a little kid, and we would drive around places. My dad is a welder, so he would point at these signs like like if you're at the hospital and you see that sign near the parking garage that says entrance or whatever he would point one of those and say hey Caleb I made that so I sat by my dad at the wrestling event and I kind of reminded him of that I'm like hey dad do you remember when we used to do this and that and you would point this and that and say I made that he said yeah I remember that I turned to the screen I pointed at it like it was the Wrestlemania sign Hey, it's WrestleMania. It's WrestleMania season. I can make that analogy if I want. Anyways, I pointed at the screen and I said, Hey, Dad. I made that. And he was like, Party on. Very, very proud moment for me. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Four Sides Podcast. Make sure you tune in next week as we talk about some more of my fun, wild, bizarre, and sometimes dangerous wrestling journeys. If you would like some updates, you can like our Facebook page called Four Sides. You can follow us on Twitter at Four Sides IV. You can follow on Anchor and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are uploaded. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I appreciate everybody's support. And I am looking to get some guests on the show eventually, so be on the lookout for that. Again, my name is Caleb Carter, and I will talk to you next time.